You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Our old buddy Stephen Vogt is back, and we talk to him, Marti Gallegos from MLB.com, and Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. But, boy, it is so nice to hear from Stephen Vogt. The world champion is back with the A's. Sometimes it's great to reunite. Sometimes it's phenomenal to bring someone back to the family. And I know for our fan base... There are certain players that have played here that it's just not you, you, you respect them as a player, you respect them as a man, you respect them as what they did for a lot of the fans. And one of those guys who will always be on the list, and he's back, is Steven Vogt. Steven, Chris Townsend with you here on A's Cast Live. Uh, what great news to have you back, and welcome back to the Oakland A's. Oh, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it, man. That's uh I'm so I'm so excited to be back. I'm honored to be back. Um, just yeah, my family and I could not be more excited right now. You know, I was thinking about when a deal like this goes down, and you know, normally an agent calls a team and that, but I'm like, this this runs so much deeper. Your relationship with with Billy and David and this organization and this coaching staff and everything that you know and how much everybody loves you. What was this like getting you back with the A's? Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty seamless, actually. You know, I, I, I don't really enjoy the business side of this, of this game. Let's put it that way. So, um, you know, David and my agent got together and it, it came together pretty quickly. It didn't take too long. I mean, I, I made it clear that, you know, I want to be back. I want to come back to this place. I want to be here. Um, want to come home in a sense. Uh, it's really what it felt like. And, um, it, it came together fairly quickly and uh, just like you said, just so comfortable with everyone here. It is family. It is, um, you know, we feel like it's our second home in Oakland and uh, we, we just we're so excited to be back. You know, when you think about where you are in your career and by the way, you know, you think of last year being a part of the Atlanta Braves and all these teams that you've been on. You know, talk about where you are right now. What's Stephen Vogt bringing to the Oakland A's? Well, you know, honestly, it's it's one of those things that I'm still I'm still a good player. I still love yeah. playing baseball. I still have a lot left in the tank as far as playing. Uh, but it's also, you know, I've been through a lot. I've been through injuries. I've been through winning. I've been through losing. I've been through trades. I've been through DFAs. I've been through you name it. Uh, you name it, I've been through it, and now I've been part of uh, waiting two weeks after a lockout list to get a job. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, Tony, that I feel like I've experienced a lot in this game, and I'm thankful for all of it. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always fun. Um, I've had to work really, really hard to come back numerous times. I've had to work really hard to establish and reestablish and, and all of those different things. And so for me, what the biggest thing that I can bring to the to the Oakland A's right now is just to go into this clubhouse and be myself 
helps helps his guys learn quickly, helps these guys learn from mistakes and and just learn how to be professional every single day. And that's what I've tried to be my whole career. And um, but but also to to come bring 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 my abilities and help win some games uh, on and off the field. And so I think for me, that's what that's what I'm most excited to be. And I'm really excited to play for Kate. Um, you know, obviously, he was one of our coaches when I was here uh, before and I'm really excited to play for him and, and, uh, and just to see how that goes. Yeah, we opened the show talking about you. Obviously, you being down there, you had no chance to hear it. But I, I, I talked about how there's going to be a lot of young players. There's going to be a lot of guys who come through that clubhouse this year who have no idea. And when I talked about you and what you can do for these players, I, you know, these guys are going to be making more money than they've ever made before. All of a sudden, everybody's going to want a piece of them. All of a sudden, they're way better looking, and women think they're great. And I'm like, hey, listen, Stephen Vogt's been an all-star. Stephen Vogt's been around some of the greatest players. You've been around Hall of Famers. You understand the life of a Major League Baseball player at the highest level. You understand it in the clubhouse. You understand it on the field. And you understand the business and what happens away from the field that – a lot of these guys, Stephen, they show up, they know nothing about. They need, talk about how they need someone like you that they can, you know, it's one thing to talk to the coaches, but to talk to a guy who's also a player, what a godsend that can be for a guy's career. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. It's it's one of those uh, situations where you're right. There, there's a, getting to the big leagues in a lot of ways, it's, it's obviously one of the most difficult things to do in sports, but getting to the big leagues is the easiest part. It's, Figuring out how to stay here, that's the hardest part. Proving yourself that you, you belong in the major leagues for the rest of your career is the hard part. And the things outside of your job are what can take away from that. So absolutely, I think that um, I'll be able to, to share those things and to be on a peer level with them. Although uh, I've, I've, got a, I've got about 15 or 16 years on a lot of these guys now uh, <laughs> in life. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I truly enjoy helping and I just want to help any way I can, you know, so circling back to what you say, what do you bring to this club? I, I just want to be available. I want to be available to, to play. I want to be available to talk. I want to be available to help learn. You, you name it. I just I want to be present for my teammates and just present for the organization. Well, and also one thing that you always have had that gift is you can still hit. Absolutely. I still hit. I can play some first. I can catch. You know, um, just what any way I can do it. And, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, I, the reason I came back is I love playing baseball. I, I love playing baseball. I have my whole life. I still do. Uh, today was my first day out of practicing with the guys. And, man, I felt like it was first day of school, Christmas morning, just the excitement. I woke up at 5 a.m. ready to go today. I, I No way I was going to sleep till my alarm today. And, uh, you know, I had, had just so, so much fun being out on the field. It was It was amazing. I know we've talked to you about this in the past, how much your wife has meant to your career as she's a coach and and she has always encouraged you and made sure you're not retiring, get your butt back out there and play. Uh, I, I, For me, I see this kind of like how Katze, you know, Katze went from a player to a coach, now a manager. Do, do you see that in your future? We'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I You know, I uh, one of my teammates last year, Charlie Morton uh, with Atlanta, you know, he talked to me, you know, he's a little older than I am. And, and he said, don't, don't focus on what may be the end or don't focus on what's next. He's like, enjoy every day you can while you're playing. And the decision will be clear when it's time. And 
um, I want to stay in the game county. I want to be a coach. I want to be, you know, media. Some way I'm going to be involved in the game of baseball. I just don't know yet because I still love playing and I still feel like I can. And until that day, um, I know there's going to hopefully be an opportunity there because I love baseball and I love the game and I want to give back when I'm done playing. And, um, you know, but literally just kind of thinking one day at a time and one year at a time and just enjoy every moment that I have to still play the game I love. And uh, the fact that I get to do it in green and gold again makes me smile ear to ear and I haven't stopped smiling since Wednesday night. So um, it's going to be a great, great season and I can't wait to get started. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, uh, write it till she bucks you. And then any 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 studio job, any color analyst job you want, you'll be able to get. So that that whole that whole aspect of your life will be there for you because you'll be fabulous as, as if that's what you want to do. If not, coach, I want to take you back to 2013. Was a magical moment for all of us. I remember taking all the phone calls after the game. I mean, just when you look back at 2013, Tigers, what was that, game two, the walk-off hit? Mm-hmm. I just, just when you look back now, and I'm sure you've thought about it since you've signed with the A's again, take us back to that wonderful moment of your career. Uh, 2013 was such a such a special year for us because, you know, I'd, I'd been DFA'd by Tampa Bay after going 0 for 25 in 2012 and really not thinking I would ever get back to the big leagues. I think I kind of thought I had my one shot, and then obviously Billy went out and traded for me um, after the DFA, and I got an opportunity to play for Sacramento and the A's. And uh, for the first time in my career was, was told that I belonged in the big leagues by Bob Melvin. And um, when he told me that I just took it and ran. And, uh, but that moment that night um, against the Tigers game two, you know, the walk-off hit was obviously one of my favorite moments, but um, earlier in that game, I say this every time that the, the walk-off hit was my second favorite moment. There was in the fifth inning, Sonny, struck out Austin Jackson and then I threw out Jose Iglesias trying to steal second to end the first and third one out threat and you know my whole career up to that point I'd been knocked for my defense that I I, I could hit in the big leagues but I wouldn't be able to, to catch and to, to do that in that moment and come through for your teammates especially defensively was, was such a huge moment and but getting to that walk-off hit I can put myself in that box I can hear the 50,000 fans and then the millions more at home screaming and uh, just the ability to be able to come through for your teammates to win a playoff game. And um, but that moment, I've watched so many angles of that hit on YouTube from different fans that have posted that. And my family and I have watched those all the time, all the time. We, we love watching those uh, from the fan perspective. And um, that's, that is a moment and that will always, always be one of my favorites in my career. It's not my most favorite moment uh, personally. And, uh, just being in Oakland and winning that playoff game was uh, was magical. I want to end on this because I think you got a magical moment coming up. Is when you take that first at bat back in Oakland and the chant "I believe in Stephen Vote." I mean, not many people get a chant in their career. When you have an entire stadium screaming "I believe in Stephen Vote." and you're back in the green and gold, and you're back after that long road trip, and you step into the box, what do you think that moment's going to be like for you? Oh, man, I, I've got chills right now thinking about it. Um, the fans in Oakland mean everything to me and my family. Uh, they embraced us from day one, um, supported us from day one, made us feel like we were part of the Oakland family, um, took such great care of us, and uh, 
still chat with a couple of fans, you know, on a personal level, you know, consistently. And, um, but just the, the thought of the fans chanting again in Oakland and um, just walking back into the Coliseum wearing green and gold is going to be an amazing feeling, not alone to see the familiar faces back as an A. Uh, it's just an incredible feeling that I don't know if I'll be able to put into words, but it's going to be such a special moment and, um, you know, be, be trying to hit through probably a couple of tears in my eyes, that's for sure. So uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be back and uh, I'm so excited to get rolling and uh, see what we can do this year. Well, I, I got to tell you, you've always been good to us here on A's Cast, and it is great to have you back. We'll be down there on April 1st. Can't wait to see you. But congratulations. Welcome back. And I know I know what it means to you, what it means to the fans. It's, it's going to be a very special season. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for having me. Look forward to catching up throughout the season, too. Steven Vogt is good people. So is Martin Gallegos, as we talk to Martin from MLB.com about spring training. So why would my two hours and 30-minute game be crazy if 10 years ago a robot calling balls and strikes was crazy and now that's going to happen? I guess because I never thought of it that way because of like 10 years ago, I didn't think things like, but now with the clock, everyone knows, that's the So thing. if I get in a time machine and I go back to 1960 and I tell them that a computer, which they don't even know what a computer is back then, <laughs> a computer is going to call balls and strikes, larger bases. I'm going to tell you how to line up. There's going to be a thing called the DH because in 1960, they didn't even have a DH. No, they didn't. It didn't happen until 1973. So all of this is now acceptable, but my two hours and 30 minutes is crazy. Uh, yeah, I think I still think that'd be crazy. Wow. They're putting a limit on the game, man. Wow. Martin Gallegos, will you, will you help save me here, my friend? <laughs> What's going on, Tony? I, I, I came up with this last night at, at a little shindig for my birthday where we were talking about baseball and the business of baseball, and I finally said, you know what? I would just put a limit. The game is two hours and 30 minutes. Whatever inning you're at, wherever you're at in that game, game's over after 2.30. So you're going to have teams that learn to play fast, want to score as many runs as possible. You speed up the game. And my partner here tells me I'm crazy, and I go, that's crazy? If I would have gone back 10 years ago and told you that a computer is going to call balls and strikes, they're going to tell you what your defense is, you're going to have a clock on the pitcher and make him pitch faster, you're going to have bigger bases, everybody's going to have a DH. If I went back 10, 20, 30 years ago and told you all that, you would have told me I was crazy then. Yeah, for sure. I don't think any of us saw this coming uh, back then. Uh, but I mean, I think for the most part, I think it's stuff that is going to, I think, improve the game in terms of watchability. I mean, um, you know, it's not it's not a hundred percent, you know, everything that I agree with. But I think for the most part, things that the, the things that they've been discussed for the new CBA, I think, I think it, overall, it's going to help make it a more enjoyable product. To be honest. What is the mood like down in Mesa after these three trades that obviously have dramatically changed this organization? Yeah, I think it was definitely a shock. I think, um, you know, coming into camp, I think there was kind of a feeling in the air that this was a possibility. I mean, all these guys have spent the lockout, uh, you know, kind of wondering what was going to happen. And then they, they, you know, come to a new deal. And all of a sudden you see all these rumors pop up again you know, with the A's top stars being floated around to different teams. It seemed like Matt Olson was, you know, going to a new city every week. So uh, 
I think, you know, ultimately it was only a matter of time. I think that's how these players felt. You know, it was a matter of time before the thing got broken up. Um, they had a run of, of, of making the playoffs three of the last four years, but weren't able to obviously win it all. And um, as these guys get expensive, I mean, we, we know the cycles in Oakland. I mean, this, the, that term cycle has been thrown around a lot here lately. And, and it's kind of the end of the cycle here, looking for the next wave uh, to win. But obviously it's a, it's a, you know, a heartbreaker for a lot of guys. You know, I think Olsen and Chapman are truly guys who felt like they loved Oakland. They felt like they could turn things around here and, and help win a championship. Um, but it didn't happen. And, you know, now they're, they're, again, they're at the point where, you know, it's just, you know, too expensive financially to keep them around. And, um, you know, the A's got some prospects back. They're looking to uh, replenish their farm system. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think definitely it's a, the, it's a, it's a, you know, a sad tone. Um, but I think they've realized that quickly they got to pick things up here because it's, it's a shortened spring training as it is. And opening day is not that far away. Their first game for spring training isn't that far away. So they got to, they got to figure things out in terms of who, who's next man up. Yeah, we've been talking about the last two shows. When it comes to these moves, when you look at both mats, it takes two to tango, right? Our fan base, for some reason, thinks it's just all about what the organization wants. And the reality is it's on the player and their agents, too. So Matt Olson can come out after the trade and talk to you guys and be like, well, you know, I loved it here, but I'm going back home. And, you know, this is how baseball works. But in less in less than 24 hours, he then signs an eight year, 160. uh, It was actually 23 hours, eight years, 168 million dollar deal. So clearly. There was business going on. They knew what they want. Matt Olson knew what he wanted, and his agent knew what he wanted. That's eight years and $168 million. That means people with the Braves had to sign off with this. And this is just not the GM. Ownership would have to sign off on it. That's a major contract. So what seems like just like, a, well, it's business and it's a change of cycles, that was huge money. I didn't, you know... Did Matt Olson really want to stay? How much do you think Matt Olson really wanted to stay in athletic? I think he, I think he enjoyed his time here. I think there was some sense of loyalty to, you know, him being drafted here. But um, at the same time, I mean, I think he was realistic. I mean, you look around. I mean, when's the last time the A's signed a guy to more than five years? I mean, Eric Chavez was the last big deal. And that was so long ago now. Um, I think he knew it was, you know, a matter of time before he left. You know, it just, it just depended on which – which year of arbitration was the year that he was going to be going. But, um, you know, I think he did. And he, he, I mean, obviously made a lot of friendships in this organization. I mean, you know, he had a bunch of these guys at his wedding. So, I mean, in terms of the people in the organization, I think he loved it here and he would have liked to stay here, but there was no way he was going to get a contract even remotely close to, to what, uh, you know, Atlanta was going to offer. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it was a perfect situation for him him being an Atlanta guy. I mean, if there's one team that he could choose to play for, I think it would probably be the Braves, you know, so. Um, it was kind of a perfect storm for him in that sense. Yeah, and I don't fault him. I love Matt. We love the players, and I want them to get their money, and I want them to get theirs. But there, we ask these guys, you do, I do, we ask them about staying here long term. They give us this generic answer, and 24 hours later, they're signing an eight-year deal when all this time they're playing here. And let's be honest, for most organizations, Martin, you're not going to get an eight-year deal. There's only so many organizations yeah. that are going to give out eight-year deals. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can you can count. You know, I mean, you know the names. I mean, it's the same teams. Uh, you know, pretty much year in and year out. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, being in a team in a, you know in Oakland. I mean, he they both even Chapman and Olsen kind of said it too when we talked to them after the trade. I mean, they kind of had an idea that you know it, it's kind of a fantasy to think that you're going to stay with the A's for a long time. It's just you know I think they knew it was going to reach this point at, at some point. So I mean, that time came, and, and you know now now it's time to kind of move on to that next chapter for both sides. It looks like a really good haul for Matt Chapman. When you look at it and you're talking to people around the league, I know Kylie McDaniel, who does a great job uh, covering prospects for ESPN, worked for multiple organizations, was on with us earlier. He made it sound like it was a good trade for the A's. What are you hearing on the Chapman deal? Yeah, I think uh, overall, I mean, it's not, you know, one of their, you know, top guys but it is is it is you know definitely you know some players in their top 30 prospects you know kevin smith the guy who could potentially i mean make the opening day roster i mean if we're, if we're the way we're looking at it right now i think he's got a pretty good chance to to make it um overall i think you combine the the haul that they got with olsen and even the the two guys they got from from the bassett deal and, and this trade their farm system obviously is looking a lot better now i think now you're going to see the a's kind of mentioned among the top teams in, in baseball in terms of farm system, along with guys that they already have like Geloff and Soderstrom. Um, I think the, the hall for Olsen definitely, I think is, I think the A's are really excited about that. Just, just talking to people within the organization. I think they were kind of surprised at what they were able to get from the, from the Braves. Obviously Matt Olsen is a MVP type player, but to get, you know, Atlanta's, you know, top two ranked prospects from last year and two really good promising arms, you know, that alone right there, it, it, I think it softens a little bit of the blow from, from losing a guy like Olsen. So, um, you know, they're, they've got some guys in, in the organization. I mean, you never know, you know, how prospects will pan out. It's never a sure thing. But their farm system's looking a whole lot better than it was just a few days ago based on this, these three trades that they made. And, and who knows, we might see a couple more trades before, before uh, you know, the end of spring training. How tough is it for someone like yourself – in the clubhouse right now down in Mesa and you go up to one of the players that's in the rumors and you know that, that this guy, and he, he's just trying to work on getting ready for the season. Soon they're going to be facing people in competition as games are going to start on Friday, but you got to ask them. I mean, it's just, it, you're doing your job. Just what is the relationship like? Is it uncomfortable? They don't really want to talk about it. Not necessarily you want to really talk about it, but you got to do your job and ask. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we did it with, with Chapman. I mean, the first day of – or there was, you know, before the first day of camp, uh, they had an optional workout. We talked to them. And, um, you know, was, there's a little bit of awkwardness that I expected, but, you know, I, actually they were pretty open about it. I mean, they kind of – again, they were kind of mentioning that uh, – I mean, they've, they've read the rumors. I mean, it's not like they're not checking their phones all the time. Um, I think basically what they wanted is clarity, you know, on, on whether they're going to stay or go. Um, but but they seem to be pretty willing to talk about it for the most part. It seems like there's not like a avoidance of media. It's not like they don't want to talk about it. I think they're actually willing to get it out there um, just to get you know their side out there. Um, so it hasn't been as it hasn't been as as awkward as I expected it to be. Um, the, the more we talk to the guys who have been mentioned in trade rumors, um, the I think the it's been a lot smoother than I expected. Um, because they have, a, I think they, they're realistic about this. I mean, they know there's a really good chance that they might not be on this team, you know, much longer. I, I, I think they just, they kind of knew that the clock was ticking on that. So 
Um, I don't think it's uh, something that is really too surprising to them at this point. Obviously, they want to be focused on getting ready for the season and, and, you know, everything that's happening right now. I mean, it's just been nuts all around the league with all these trades and signings. Um, it's something that they haven't really gone through. I mean, spring training is usually the point where you're, you know where, where you're going to be come opening day. Um, so now things are a little bit different, but um, the interactions haven't been too bad. I mean, this, this group, this clubhouse has always been pretty good to us. You know, I mean, since, I mean, I covered this team since Chapman came up and, um, you know, they, they know our, they know our faces and, and they're, they're pretty welcoming and pretty open to talk to us. And since they've been in these rumors, I, I haven't run into any of these guys not wanting to, you know, talk about it. They've actually been pretty open to it. Now, something that we talked about a lot towards the end of the season, then after the season, before the lockout was the A's are an old roster. That's just bottom line. And a lot of people didn't think about that. But if you went around the average age and you went around looking at all these ages, you realize last year's team was one of the oldest in baseball. You don't think about that with Oakland, but yes, they were. And then, Cody, you said this to me today. I I said to him, we got rid of Chapman, Olsen, and Bassett. Now, Bassett's in his 30s. Olsen and Chapman are still in their late 20s. The projected starting lineup is still a bunch of, wait for it, guys that are old. Uh, Seth Brown's over 30. Tony Kemp's, what, 30. Elvis Andrews is 33. Chad Pender's 30. Luis Barrera's 26. And Ramon Laureano comes back as, what, 27? So the team's still... Their average age in the infield and outfield is around 27 Anaya's years old. Nia's 30. Yeah, and the rotation is still pretty old. Besides, Cole Irvin and Caprillion are both in their mid-20s or mid to late 20s. You know Jed Lowry's probably going to re-sign. <laughs> 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 so the question is, it's like, okay, we've gotten 10 players for Bassett and the two mats, and the organization from the minor league standpoint has gotten a lot stronger, but – Right now, when you're in that clubhouse, I mean, the, 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 the team that we're looking at opening in Philly on April 8th, Martin, they're not that young. Right, yeah. You know, as of, as of right now, I mean, the way it, it projects, uh, you know, if you were to project the starting lineup and, and the rotation, um, you know, I don't know really what the bullpen, I think the bullpen is still going to play out in spring. But, yeah, it's not a whole lot of young guys, I think. You know, over the next year or two years, you'll see some of these prospects who they got in these deals, along with their own prospects, kind of slowly start to come up and contribute. But I think going into the season, I mean, you you know, you would love to see the kids play, but I don't think the, the kids are going to play right away for sure. I think a lot of them are still going to be in the minors. They'll have some major league ready guys in the lineup, guys, you guys who you mentioned, guys who aren't necessarily, you know, young guys um, anymore. Um but I think the plan here is over the next you know year or so, year or two, uh, you slowly start to develop these guys. They they move up the the system. They did get a couple of guys in these deals, in all three deals, who are are pretty close to major league ready. And if they don't start the year in, in Oakland, I wouldn't be surprised to see them all you know come up by the end of the year at some point. Um, but yeah, going into the opening day, it's not it's not going to be a young roster. Yeah, I think that you know that point is going to get here at some point, but not not come opening day. I think. You know, we got to wait a little bit to see those guys come up. But I think there is a lot of optimism that, you know, once they do come up, similar to the, you know, 2017-18 transition with guys like Pinder, Chapman, and Olsen, Manaya before that, um, when they do come up, I think there's a chance that, you know, they can help, you know, kind of develop a, a winning winning team that can, you know, make the playoffs again. 
All righty. I'm going to give both you guys a pick right now. April 8th in the fighting city of Philadelphia, as they said in Rocky. All right. The A's will be there on opening day. Martine, we'll start with you. Who will be the starting pitcher on opening day for the A's? You get the first pick in the draft. I think, you know, Manai and Montas, they're they're in a lot of rumors right now. I think they both get moved. So I think you got Cole Irvin uh, going back to Philly as a former organization starting opening day. Yeah, I like that. Cody, who are you I, going with? I was going to say Cole, Cole Irvin revenge game. Uh, if, you're, if, you're leave, <laughs> if you're leaving Benaya and Montas off, off the board. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Irvin, too. Just I'm not going to be a contrarian and say cap, so I'll, I'll say it's going to be Cole Irvin because it's a revenge game. Revenge series for Cole Irvin. I mean, you just think about that. I mean, wow. And you start looking at the rotation. I, I was going through this with Cody as I was kind of geeking out last night. Uh, as Austin Pruitt was the last move made by Jeffrey Lunau before all the sign stealing happened. Aller, who came over in a trade, could be. I mean, you're starting five, Martin, and let's just say the first month. Kind of, if if Frankie goes and Sean goes, you got to have a starting pitcher once every five days. Who knows what that five is going to look like, right? Yeah, I think uh, spring training will determine a lot of that, to be honest. You know, Brent Honeywell's in here, and, and I think he's going to have a real good chance if he can stay healthy. They're going to stretch him out as a starter. Same with A.J. Puck. I think they're viewing him as a starter, even though a lot of people think, you know, the bullpen at this point uh, is probably his best option. It sounds like they're going to stretch him out as a starter. So, I mean, you could be looking at guys like Puck, guys like, uh, you know, Honeywell. Um, I mean, Dalton Jeffries is in that mix. James Caprillion's a little behind with an injury, so we don't even know if he's going to be ready for opening day. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys competing for spots, especially if you see Manaya or Montas or both leave. Um, I think the Cactus League games are going to determine a lot. When you start looking at guys that the A's have acquired, it's just interesting certain positions. You know, obviously the A's are loaded with shortstops in their organization. Langoliers is a guy they brought over in the Olsen deal, a catcher, a lot of promise. Uh, what do you think about Sean Murphy? Do you think he is a long-term guy, or do you think he could be a trade piece and Langoliers may now be the guy they look to behind the dish for the future? Yeah, that was interesting that he was in, involved in that deal. Um, I think it certainly leads to speculation that, you know, Sean Murphy could be a guy who, you know, if they get a good offer for him, I mean, Sean Murphy's value is pretty high right now. He just, you know, won a gold glove. Um, I mean, we've seen the power that he has. He maybe had a little bit of a down year at the plate overall, but um, still somewhat young and still a guy who I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of teams that are always looking for catchers. Um, so, you know, whether it's at the trade deadline or, or, or something, I think, you know, there's a possibility there. I think it also is a signal that Tyler Soderstrom, their number one prospect, probably won't stick at catcher. Um, I know he's, he's, you know, been working on his defense, but I mean, his bat is just way too good, I think, to be a catcher. I think you got to move him to a, to a different position. And now with Langoliers, you got a, a for sure catcher there as well who can also hit. Um, but yeah, that, that was interesting that he was in that, in that trade. I mean, I know he's a top prospect, but for it to be a catcher, it certainly leads you to believe that you know, maybe Sean Murphy's available, especially for the right price. 
All right, we have breaking news. Go ahead, Cody. What has just gone down in baseball? Uh, John Heyman's reporting that Chris Bryant to the Colorado Rockies. So he chose the Rockies over the Giants and everyone else that was available. Uh, it's an interesting move, but I'm sure he's going to get paid a lot of money to play in Colorado. Is he going to say he likes the school system the way Mike Hampton did back in the day? Because uh, uh, are you really going there to win? It looks like Chris Bryant's going with the money there, Martin. Yeah, the money and some uh, inflated offensive numbers for sure. Unbelievable. Well, we'll, we'll end on this. I know we're going to talk to you a lot here even before the start of the season. We have we have games starting on Friday. So what do you think the rest of spring is going to be like when basically the backbone and your leaders, Matt Chapman was a leader, Matt Olson was a leader by example, and Chris Bassett was the leader of your pitching staff. I mean, three of your big guns and two of your main leaders are gone. What what do you think the rest of the spring's going to feel like? Yeah, I think it's I think obviously a new direction. I mean, a new era of age baseball. I mean, you're the kind of the old old uh system that was in place for the last 5 years. The the main heads are gone now. I mean, and I, like we said, we don't know what's going to happen with Manaya and Montas yet, but um, you know, they'll look to new leaders. I mean, Chad Pinder's still in that clubhouse and I know while he's not an everyday player, uh, hasn't been to this point. Um, he's very well respected in that clubhouse, and I think he easily could step up as a leader of this clubhouse. Um, Tony Kemp's another guy in there who, who they all respect, and he's a vet who's been around too. Um, so they've got some 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 guidance there um, to kind of get through tough times. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting spring. I mean, obviously a lot of competition. There's going to be a lot of open spots, uh, whether it's the rotation, whether it's the bullpen, the outfield. Um, I think, you know, getting Christian Pache, I'm excited to watch that guy. I mean, just watching his highlights, I know the bat has has been a question with the Braves and their system, but, man, defensively he's amazing to watch. Uh, So I'm looking forward to seeing him in camp. But, um, you know, first base and third base, obviously you're going to have new new corner guys there for the first time since 2017 or whatever. So a lot of new faces, a lot of new faces to to check out in in camp and see if one of them could take one of these spots, maybe out out of unexpected a little bit. All right, keep doing a great job. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. All right, Tony. See you. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. And when you talk about the future of the Oakland Athletics, nobody covers the minor leagues as good as Melissa Lockhart for the Athletics. She's got it dialed with the A's. Here she is. Melissa, how are you? It's been a while. 
Yeah, it has. We got baseball back. Yeah, we've all emerged from our rock uh, since the lockout, which has been nice. It's like we're like hobbits that like came out and there's the sunshine. It's like, oh, thank God we got baseball. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can. That's back. Basically, last Thursday was the morning was dark, and then the afternoon was bright. It was amazing the difference, and just agreeing to it, and knowing that this was coming back, and even if there were trades coming and everything else, we still had baseball. Yeah, and I was just talking about, and I wanted to get your opinion on it because we love talking to you about the A's, but we also love talking to you about everything baseball. Is it's easy to sit here and criticize, and it looks like players are just doing a money grab. If you're talking about, I don't know, let's talk about Seager and, and Marcus in Texas, now Chris Bryant in Colorado. You know, whether it's a rumor uh, or it's true about Correa could be going to Baltimore, but it's the bad teams that have cleared a lot of, uh, I, I don't want to say cap space because we don't have a cap, but. That's how we talk about in other sports, but they've cleared sure. a lot. They've cleared a lot of room with their finances, and it's the bad teams that have a lot of money to spend. So maybe we shouldn't be shocked that guys are signing with the Rangers or the Rockies or or the Orioles because those teams are ready now to put out some big contracts and change the culture of their organizations. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing, right? They're not signing one-year deals. So you're not looking at it as being like, if they're not good in 2022, they're never going to be good over the life of the contract. And I think if you're Carlos Correa in particular, and you're going to sign an eight-year or a 10-year deal or something, um, you know, it's not going to matter exactly that 2022 might not be the best year. I think a good example of that might have been Manny Machado, right, when he went from Baltimore to San Diego. Um, And you look at San Diego now, but it wasn't like that when he went. So, um, you know, these things change and Baltimore has been good before and they've got a lot of really great young players coming up and there's no reason to think they can't be good again. And, you know, he's 27 years old, Carlos Correa. So if you're going to build around somebody, it would make sense to do that. So, yeah, I I think we it's a sort of a weird thing when we criticize teams for not spending and then we criticize players for signing with teams that are not good immediately because they were willing to spend, you know, like I think teams should spend. And if if Chris Bryant wants to be in Colorado and he believes in their long-term future, there's no reason he shouldn't uh, go ahead and sign that contract there. Yeah. He called Mike Hampton and uh, wanted to talk about the school districts there. uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, Good for him. He seems like a good guy and he got his money and uh, Denver's beautiful. So uh, good luck to him. You know, looking at the A's, uh, this morning when I was watching MLB Network, they were talking about uh, Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya and talking, and they talked about them being almost a package deal in some of the rumors. And I just thought to myself, is there really an organization out there that has enough really good prospects that you could package these guys to one place and really get the value for these two guys? Do you think that's possible? I would be surprised. I mean, I, you know, anything's possible, right? Like they were talking to, you know, apparently Detroit and certainly they've got two of the five best prospects in, in baseball, but I don't think those guys are on the table regardless of whether you're sending two or, uh, or one of those guys, you know, that direction. Um, 
I, I would think maximizing value would involve them going in separate directions. Uh, you know, you could have looked at maybe packaging, you know, one of the mats and a pitcher and a big deal. And I could see maybe something like that kind of coming together a little bit better. But pitching is such a hot commodity. You know, you look at like even Chris Bassett at his age with one year left on his deal, you know, he returned a pretty strong return. Uh, it, it, you just see how valuable pitching is in the league. Uh, I'd be surprised if they went the same place, but you know, you never know. Yeah, we will see. And it just goes to show throughout our entire lives and well after our careers, Melissa, pitching, you just never have enough. Cause I went over it earlier. If you look at the track record, the last couple of years for both Frankie and Sean, you know, Sean, obviously with the shoulder issues, Frankie with the PED suspension. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're out there trading two guys that have Cy Young awards and multiple all-stars and maybe world series, but people are so desperate. You can even say the murky last certain things in the last three years are just overlooked because how desperate everybody is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one advantage the A's have had is that, you know, playing where they play and having the infrastructure that they do with Scott Emerson, you know, down and building pitching staffs is that they're able to develop these kinds of, of pitching. You know, I hate the word assets because these are people, but like, you know, the <laughs> idea that you build up somebody and they become valuable, at, you know, either to your team specifically or as a trade ship. Um, and they've shown they can do that with pitching fairly easily. You know, I, when I, we had talked, I think, uh, many, many months ago uh, about like how you might approach this off season, you know, that's why I was a little more hesitant in thinking that they should trade the mats because they haven't necessarily shown that they can develop that level of player as easily as they can the pitchers, you know, um, but the pitching has always been something that they've been able to develop pretty quickly. I think it wouldn't be shocking if they had a pretty solid pitching staff, even if they trade those guys this year, at least in the starting rotation, because they have some talented guys coming in and they've been able to get a lot out of, you know, players that people maybe haven't heard a lot about until they get here. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a well that they've dipped into and they've had a lot of success with. And uh, the rest of the league hasn't always had that same success. Well, we wanted to save you for a couple days after the trades to let you dissect all three. So tell me what you really like, whether it's out of Olsen, Chapman, or Bassett trade. Which players do you really have your eye on that say this guy could really help the A's in the future? Yeah, well, I mean, in, we're talking about pitching, and that certainly had been an area in the minor league system that had thinned out quite a bit over the last couple of years. You know, they had graduated some guys, some guys that had injuries that had really stalled out their development or, um, you know, had resulted like with A.J. Puck or, or, or Jesus Lizardo, a different career path that maybe you would have projected. So um, they've really restocked that starting pitching uh, pipeline. You know, I think it's as good now as it was, at the height of having, you know, AJ and, and Jesus as younger prospects. And um, they've got velocity back, which I think is something they haven't always had in their system. And I think it's going to, you know, it's obviously become increasingly important uh, in the big leagues. And I think it's going to be something that's really fun for, uh, you know, the pitching development group to work with. So, I, you know, I really liked that. I liked the depth of the pitching that they got. Um, the Braves package, I mean, you know, that was a very impressive hall of talent. You could tell that they were, making that deal with the idea they were going to be keeping Matt Olson around for a long time. So, um, you know, they gave up three positions, I mean, three players that 
um, are legitimately could be, you know, top 100 prospects. And, um, you know, Ryan Kusek, he, he went right before Max Muncy in the draft, and he's a guy that they had scouted pretty, um, you know, heavily down out of Wake Forest coming into the draft last year. Uh, obviously, Christian Pache, he, you know, he could be the center fielder this year, depending on where the bat is, but the glove is already really special. And um, in, in the Coliseum, having someone who can run down a lot of balls in center field is, you know, pretty important. And then Shea Langoliers, I mean, you know, you look at Sean Murphy and everything he brings to an organization and that's what Shea also brings. And so whether they have both of them together or do something in the future with one or the other, you know, remains to be seen, but the value of having someone like that is pretty exciting. Yeah. And that's a question. I know a few people have thrown at me. It's like, well, if they went out and got this guy Langoliers, does that mean Sean Murphy's going to go anytime soon? Uh, do you think getting Langoliers has anything to do with Sean Murph- Murphy's future? Murph has many, many years under team control. Yeah, I mean, you know, people talked about Murphy as a possible trade chip uh, early on, and I, I was surprised to even hear that because he is so far away from being even, you know, close to free agency or in, you know, still pretty far away from arbitration, relatively speaking. Um, it, you know, again, catching like pitching is so valuable that if you get the right deal um, and you now have Shailene Williers, it certainly makes it easier to trade Sean Murphy. But at the same time, you know, they didn't have any depth past Sean Murphy, really. You know, so, um, I mean, Austin Allen, I think, had a really nice year in Las Vegas, but they didn't give him much time in, in the big league level last year. So that, that's probably fairly telling in terms of what they think about, you know, what he can contribute long term for them. And then beyond that, the, the catching really falls off, um, you know, with the exception of Tyler Soderstrom, who is, you know, still several years away from the big leagues and may not even stay a catcher. So, you know, I think that um, it, it addressed an area of depth need anyway. Um, but if the right deal came around for Sean Murphy, now you have a, a much more legitimate replacement than you would have before. I know this isn't going to be easy. Let's just act like, Sean Murphy, excuse me, Sean Manai and Frankie Montas are traded. They're traded for prospects who are not ready for the big leagues. If that's the case, and you had to just pull it out of a hat and guess, who would be the starting five in the rotation? Yeah, I mean, part of it depends on health, right? Like you're looking at James Capillion not being maybe ready for opening day, and certainly he would be a name I'd put in there. Um if, you know, AJ Puck's the same thing. If they think he can stretch out and be a starter, um, you know, that's certainly there. But, you know, I think Adam Aller, who they was the pitcher besides JT Jin, uh, again, that they got in the Chris Bassett deal, he's ready for the big leagues. He had a huge year in the Mets organization last year. Um, Brett Honeywell's going to pitch today. You know, he's a guy that was one of the top starting pitching prospects in all of baseball before his arm just blew up on him. Um, but if he's, you know, anywhere close to where he was before, he's certainly worth a look and he's out of options. So they're going to give him as many looks as they can possibly give him. I think obviously Cole Irwin, you know, earned that right to be in, in the rotation. I think last year, Dalton Jeffries, if, he, if he's healthy, certainly looks like he'd be in there. Um, so, you know, those are all kind of the names that you'd be looking at. Um, you know, Brian Howard had a really nice year in AAA last year. I think um, <clears throat> the ERAs being what they are in Las Vegas kind of inflates that because his home ERA was a lot higher than his road ERA. But, you know, the road ERA, there's some tough parts to pitch in there, and it was pretty impressive. And so um, you might see him. Parker Dunchy's another guy that 
that you could see come up. Um, they signed Ryan Castellini, who's had some big league starting experience. So there, there's a bunch of guys you probably see kind of turn through. Uh, no idea who the opening day starter would be in a scenario like that, but um, you know that they, they certainly have options that they can can look at for this uh, year if, if those guys are traded. Yeah, if Caprellian is not able to go first week. Really, I mean, you're talking about Aller. Oh, well, Cole Irvin, I think, will be the opening day, which is hard to believe in. Cody, you're calling it the uh, Cole, Cole Irvin Revenge Series against the, Philly. The rent against, right. against his yeah. old team. So you got Irvin, Aller, Honeywell, Jeffries. That would be four. We're talking about if Cap can't go, right? So right. then after that, the fifth is just uh, flip the coin. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's like everybody in camp, you know, A.J. Puck is still the most talented. Blackburn, them, right? maybe? So, yeah, Black, yeah, Blackburn, yeah, I forgot he's, <laughs> God, he's still there. He certainly, <laughs> um, you know, is a guy who brings back. Um, I mean, you know, that's right. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, they, they tend to get these kind of anonymous guys that kind of come up there and suddenly are like, you know, above average pitchers like Cole Irvin was last year. So, um you know, Grant Holmes, I, I think, had a disastrous year last year in, in, in AAA, but they feel better about that. Um, Zach Loge, the uh, lefty from Toronto, um, you know, he's a starter. I think some people thought, oh, he'll go right to the bullpen, but he's like a crafty lefty type um, that, you know, is similar to Irwin probably in, in a lot of ways. Um, so he, he's another one that I think will fight for, for innings as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is kind of a mix. That, that said, there aren't a lot of teams that you get to the fifth person in their rotation at this point, and you're like, for sure, this is the guy that we're going to go with, right? Like, that's kind of around the league is not super uncommon. So, um, But it, it's definitely lost a lot of its veteran cachet and, and star power without those two guys. Okay, so one of the main problems last year was velocity in the bullpen. And mm-hmm. the A's starters, they led Major League Baseball in innings pitched last year. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year. Uh, other than Lou Trevino, where, and I don't know, maybe A.J. Puck ends up back in the bullpen. That gives you some velocity. Have they really added any velocity that could help? I, You know, in the future, who knows with the relievers. I'm talking about this season. They're going to get a lot of innings out of the bullpen. Have they added anybody that can really bring it? Yeah, well, uh, Kirby Sneed, who was actually AJ's teammate at Florida, was um, the second left-hander that was in that Blue Jay deal for Ben Chapman. Um, and he, he's not like a 100-mile-an-hour guy, but he's a mid-90s guy from the left side. Um, certainly would not be considered a finesse reliever. And, uh, you know, he made a nice seven-inning debut with the Blue Jays last year, has a long track record in the minor leagues of being – an effective reliever. So um, I think he'll get a very long look in the big league bullpen and it certainly brings a little more juice. Um, you know, I think Wanderson Charles was a guy they didn't see at all last year because of injury, which was a shame, but you know, he's a hundred miles an hour um, flamethrower and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like when, um, you know, camp and we start to see him because command was always his big thing and we haven't really seen him in a year, but if he's throwing strikes or close enough to strikes that people will swing at it, you know, he's got that fastball breaking ball combination that, you know, is what you look for. Uh, Non-roster, you know, they brought back Danny Jimenez and I think there's a very good chance he makes the team. Um, He was a rule five pick last year that 
in a different scenario, I think probably would have stuck, but they had brought in enough veteran arms that there wasn't really room for him. Um, but he went back to Toronto after not making the team and had an outstanding year in AAA. Uh, so, you know, he's certainly another one that, that would bring some, you know, velocity there. Zach Jackson's a very deceptive guy from in AAA who I think would have joined the bullpen last season when they were starting to have all their breakdowns, but he had a hip injury. Um, you know, he can get in that mid nineties, uh, slot and he's also very hard to pick up. So a lot of swing in this, but I mean, it's not like, you know, that 100 miles an hour all the time sort of look that you see from a lot of other teams, but there is a little more velocity there than last year. You know, one of the problems with what we're having, and I just look at the schedule as we start A's baseball coming up here at 105 and we end on April 5th. I mean, there's not a lot of whole, it's not a lot of time for guys to earn jobs and to impress the manager in the front office and games and, you know, all the split squads and backfield stuff. I mean, this is going to be a really quick sprint to the start of the season. So I think about the A's versatility, as much as we're going to look to the future, we still, I, at least I do every night, I got to talk about the team on the field. And I think about Pender and I think about Kemp and I think about Machine and I, you know, obviously Kevin Smith who come over, comes over from the Blue Jays, he's got the ability to third, short, second, just how important is it going to be for this team? Maybe Nick Allen too, a short second base, just in the infield versatility is all over the place. And that hopefully can be a strength. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you look at Sheldon noisy was brought back as well um, on a minor league or, or he was picked at claimed off waivers. And, uh, you know, he, he can play third base and second base quite well. And then is, uh, you know, was the shortstop, to start with, so can certainly be an emergency guy there as, as well. Uh, they brought back Billy McKinney, who <laughs> were really playing all the hits. Um, but, you know, he, he's first base and can play all three outfield spots as well. So, I mean, I think versatility in general around baseball has become, uh, you know, one of the most important things you can have if you're a position player. Jonah Bride is one of my absolute favorite prospects. And, uh, you know, they just asked him at the end of last season to learn how to catch. And he went and learned how to catch, caught in the Arizona Fall League, uh, has been working out, catching big leaguers, you know, during um, the lockdown. And he's going to get a long look. But, you know, he's a third baseman, second baseman, first baseman, and quite good at all those positions who can catch now. And that's kind of cool. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of different things. Mickey McDonald, who was added as a, a non-roster invitee, is probably one of the better defensive outfielders that you can see um but he played a little bit of third base in, in college and they asked him to do that in vegas last year and he looked good so you know he's another one that the versatility is something that i think will be really important max schumann's a, a super fast shortstop that stole over 50 bases last year who they threw out in center field at the end of last season and was able to handle that uh, i think you'll probably see a little bit of him this season as well um, so the, the ability to move around, the ability to stay on the field and be healthy, I think are two of the most important things if you're a position player in the big leagues anywhere now. And certainly, you know, I think it'll help the A's quite a bit. Yeah, the athletic is a, is, it's a great resource for all sports. And it really shows you that we can still do quality journalism. And your Jonah Bride article that you did in the athletic during the lockout was very good. And it just was so telling, like you're scratching your head going, oh, my God, what, what, what's the big club going to look like? We've talked about the infield. You think about the outfield without, with, without 
Ramon Laureano for what the first twenty-seven games, uh, first couple of games. Uh, how you see in the outfield? Yeah, you know, I think before these trades, I was a little bit of a question as to what would they do in center field. You obviously have Skybolt, you have Luis Pereira. Um, it sounds like Cody Thomas won't be available to start the year, which is a shame. But um, you know, there were some options there. Buddy Reed is back as a, a non-roster invitee, and if he can stay healthy, got to see a little bit of what he could do last spring. Um, but I think it was going to be a really big kind of question mark. And then they acquired Pache. And I think it's a question of whether they think his bat's ready now or whether he needs to do more in AAA. Um, but, you know, the the defense is already going to be there. And so if, if they would rather he work with Tommy Everidge at the big league level on his hitting as opposed to going to AAA and working on it there, um, you know, that you may see him out there, even if the hitting's going to um, not match up right away because the defense already can. Uh, so, you know, I think there's, and then you, you look at Steven Piscotti, obviously the health is always the big question for him, but if he's healthy, he probably gets a decent number of the reps in right field. And then, you know, you look at Pender and Brown, um, whether they're playing out in left field or whether Brown is, is playing a lot of first base, I think remains to be seen, but um, that's a pretty solid platoon probably from a power perspective anyway, if, if you get to that point and obviously Kemp and, uh, machines can play a little bit out there as well. Well, if there's anywhere in the world I would like to go work on my hitting, that would be down with Fran Reardon and the Vegas Bombers because uh, you go down there and uh, everybody's Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig down there. Right. Well, I think that's sometimes the danger. <laughs> you have to decide whether you think that would be productive or whether you think they'd be learning the wrong things. But, um, you know, I think Tommy did such a great job with the hitters down there and getting them to still focus on what was important to know how to do that would translate when you got to a normal hitting environment that I think that, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's going to be in almost a development type position, even at a big league level now. Um, so a lot of what he was able to successfully do with those hitters in AAA, um, I think will really translate over, uh, you know, to this younger big league uh, roster that he's got in front of him. So, um, yeah, but it's, you know, the pitchers, they, they shrink from it, and the hitters, they love it. So it, it's a definitely a different environment. So whenever we're in a situation where the team is making a transition, we as the people who cover the ball club, we have to make our transitions too. And, you know, past couple of years, we focused on winning the division and winning 95-plus games. And, you know, past couple of years, we've talked about, hey, you might need to win a win 100 to win the division to get out of the wild card. Now, we're going to transition, obviously, because – I just that's it's it's the only fair deal. And I've been talking about, you know, finding the blue the blueprint for the future starts today at one oh five for the A's. The new journey, the new voyage starts today under Mark Kotze, who I think now is the perfect uh, fit as a guy for a shortened. You know, you lose Bob Melvin. You lose a guy that's been your leader. You get Mark Kotze, who's been around all these young players. He's been around everybody in the minor league system. He's so familiar with the front office, not just because of when he played, but all the work he's done with Bob and the staff and the shortened spring. You know, if you brought in a new guy, I don't know how he would gain the trust or start these relationships in such a short time. It's like Bob's out, Mark's in, all good. But, you know, what's the number one thing – and it's early, obviously, with the first spring training game. But what's the number one thing you're looking forward to this season to help build that blueprint to get back to the postseason? 
Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it is finding identity, you know, finding what is the next A's group going to look like. I think the identity of the last one was, you know, surrounding the mats and, you know, these long at-bats, a lot of power, maybe not necessarily hitting for a lot of average, but, you know, really able to, to grind out those long at-bats and then great defense on the corners. Um, and the pitching, the starting pitching really ruled the day. Um, you know, what will be the next identity? I think it's pretty clear from the guys that they uh, acquired. You know, Smith, Langoliers, and Pache are all well-known for their defense, um, and then they went after pitching. And so I think pitching and defense are probably going to be, you know, the mainstays of what this new look is going to be for, for the A's. And I think, you know, we've always talked about it, and people laugh, oh, it's, you know, are the A's going to – are the athletics going to be athletic again? You know, like – but I do think that you've seen a trend towards that kind of player being, you know, what they've targeted in the draft, what they've targeted in trades. And, uh, you know, I, I think you will probably see a more athletic, athletic team. I know that <laughs> <laughs> working for the athletic, it's a lot of words, but, um, you know, so a team that can, can play, players can play everywhere. They can run a little bit. Um, they may need to do a bit more, uh, you know, kind of, strategically to score runs as opposed to waiting for the three run homer. And, um, you know, it'll be different, but I think in time it could be an exciting way to look at it. And, you know, that, that has been a blueprint that has worked at the Coliseum for, you know, since 1968. And so um, if that is the way that this team develops, at least, you know, they know they're going to be at the Coliseum for the next several years, uh, even with a new stadium coming, you know, it's it's probably the right way to build a, a new team. So, uh, you know, I, I love outfield defense, center field. Dwayne Murphy's still my favorite player of all time, right? You know, it it it, it would be fun to see a player like that be able to run down some balls in center field. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be fun. Watching Nick Allen play shortstop is going to be a joy. So those will be the things I think I'll look at. It would make a great radio tease. Will the athletics be athletic again? Coming up next right here on A's Cast. Hey, great stuff as always. You are the best. We'll keep reading you on the athletic, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Melissa Lockhart does a great job covering this organization for the athletic. We want to thank Stephen Vogt, Martin Gallegos, and Melissa Lockhart for coming on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.